God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus pays his taxes. Did you know that? Amen. Now go in peace and serve the Lord. That's it. All right. Let's have communion. Well, you expect more than that. This reading from Matthew today might seem more appropriate for the Sunday before April 17th. And besides, like I said about the kids, you know, tomorrow is Epiphany. So where's the Epiphany reading of our Lord? Well, I'll tell you. But first, I have to thank you for sending me and Jill to Israel. Even before we get there, I thank you. Because it was through a Bible study in preparation for the trip that I rediscovered this reading from Matthew that you have printed in your service folder. See, the group leader for our tour, his name is Tom Krause. He's a Lutheran pastor in Kansas. He prepared a Bible study for us so that we can read in Scripture some of the places that where you know, some things in the Bible happened and the places that we're going to go and see where, where they happened. You know, it's so Jill and I and the other people on the tour can make a connection between what's written in the Bible and where it actually happened, you know, and and Jill and I are very excited for that to happen. But for me, something exciting has already happened, and I'm excited to share it with you right now. This reading from Matthew that you have here is in the Bible study that Pastor Krause sent to us. And Jill and I were doing this Bible study a couple of weeks ago, and she's reading, she's reading this part from Matthew, and it struck me. I don't think I've ever heard this before. Peter, Jesus tells Peter to go fishing, and the first fish, fish he catches, he opens his mouth and finds a coin? What in the world? Now, I know I've read Matthew from beginning to end several times. A few years ago, I read it on the beach with our youth from start to finish. Is my memory that bad? I couldn't get over why this little scene seemed so new. How about you? And then it occurred to me. In my 10 years of standing up here, reading the three-year church lectionary here on Sunday mornings, I don't remember ever reading this to you. So I thought, maybe it's not in the selected readings for Sunday. Well, I looked it up, and sure enough, it's not. The powers that be 50 years ago when the Catholic Church and the Protestant churches hashed out the expanded lectionary for the whole Christian church throughout the world to use on Sundays, for whatever reason, they chose not to include this one from Matthew. Now, there's pros and cons to the church lectionary. The pro is is that if you come to church every Sunday for three years, you're going to hear pretty much the whole Bible, almost all of it. The con is, for ministers like me, 10 years of that same lectionary, you fall into a kind of rut, kind of missing over or neglecting the ones that aren't put in the lectionary. So it has happened, my friends, that I have never read this in church before. I've never preached on it. Until today, (laughs) I've replaced the regular reading from Luke with this one because I can't wait to explore this more and 
with you and know a little bit more about Jesus with you. It's a great little scene, and God has something to say to us in it. Why is it not included in the church lectionary? I don't know. But it certainly upped my curiosity as to what else isn't getting heard from the Gospels on Sunday. You know, for some people, these few short minutes of readings is all the scripture they get in a week or a month, maybe even a whole year. But let's return now to Jesus and Simon Peter in Capernaum. Here's how this reads in the original language. It's not much different than what you have printed here, but just to get a feel of what the original hearers might have heard, it goes like this. And when they came to Capernaum, that's Jesus and the disciples, the tax collectors receiving the two drachma temple tax approached Peter and, referring to Jesus, said, Your teacher, does he not pay the tax? Peter says, Yes, he pays it. And coming into the house, Jesus spoke first, saying, Well, what do you make of it, Simon? The kings of the earth. Who do they take their tolls and their poll taxes from? From their sons or from strangers? When Peter said, From strangers, Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free, aren't they? But just so we don't offend these guys, go to the sea, cast out your hook and line, and when the first fish comes up, Take it and open its mouth, and you'll find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for me and for you. Now, on the surface, it may seem that Jesus is just being a good citizen here, paying his tax, not wanting to offend anyone. But there are questions. Why this time? He's not always hesitant to offend. We know with the Pharisees, he can be downright confrontational. And at times, he seems more interested in the affairs of his father's kingdom. So why is he concerned here with civil matters? Well, as basic as it may seem at first, Jesus is revealing a deeper glimpse into his human and divine nature to Peter and Matthew and to to you and me. Let's see how. Capernaum was Simon Peter's hometown, which might explain why these, it might explain why, why these temple tax collectors come up to him rather than one of the other disciples or Jesus. You know, it's possible these tax collectors maybe knew Peter or had seen him pay his tax there before. Now, what about this tax? You and I pay taxes, and we don't like it even though we know it's the system that our, na- that our nation has to keep things moving along and relative peace and safety, it's burdensome, right? It's expensive. Now imagine if your church had a tax in order to keep it moving along. Some may say that tithes and offerings are a tax, but not really. Our tithes and offerings are voluntary. For an Israelite in the first century, though, if you were 20 years old or over, you had to pay this annual two drachma tax, which was about two days' worth of wages, to keep the temple in Jerusalem maintained and to ensure that the rites and the rituals and the worship there kept going along. 
Now, because these temple tax collectors came up to Peter, it could be because his tax was overdue. And if his teacher there, Jesus, who could clearly be identified as a Jew because of the way he dressed, if, if Jesus was unknown to these tax collectors, it may have been the case that these collectors suspected that Jesus hadn't paid the tax either. Which is why they asked Peter, does he not pay the tax too? To which Peter immediately replies, oh yes, he pays. And Peter's not lying here. He's not lying just to protect Jesus, you know, his Lord and master and friend. Peter would have seen Jesus pay his tax in previous years, and he knew that Jesus would continue to pay it. But that's all that's said about it with these guys. You know, it's not like the tax collectors continue to argue or want to see some proof of paying the tax. That's the end of the discussion. And then the scene seems to shift as if they walk away from each other and then Jesus and Peter go into a house. Whose house? I don't know. But they go into a house and it's kind of funny that Jesus brings this tax thing up before Peter says anything about it. It's it's like, hey, Peter, you know, what were you talking about with those guys? Now, we know a little bit about kings and kingdoms through the ages, don't we? You know, just from growing up and all the stories and fairy tales and history and movies and such, kings don't make their children pay tax, do they? It's kind of a given. The kids are heirs of the kingdom and enjoy all of dad's privileges paid for by taxing the little people, you know, who are mostly strangers to them. Now, think about this. The temple in Jerusalem represents the kingdom of God on earth. It's where God the Father dwells with his people. It's where he and the people interact in the temple worship and the, and the sacrifices and the rituals and all that, the offerings. Even though Jesus is a family member of Israel, a Jew, over 20 years old by this time, and also happens to be the son of the king of the universe, would he then be required to pay the temple tax? I'm not letting you go until you answer. No. He's a good, correct answer. He's not obligated to pay the tax. He's exempt. Don't we all wish we were tax exempt with the government, right? Peter could have told these tax collectors... No, he doesn't pay. He's the son of God. And who knows what kind of storm that would have kicked up with these tax collectors. Not that Jesus hadn't done anything like that before, but it's it's different this time. See, because this is the temple we're talking about here, his father's house. And these tax collectors may not necessarily have the same obstacles to believing in him as the Messiah as, say, the Pharisees. See, Jesus pays the tax He's not obligated to pay so that there are no obstacles to believing in him. If he had refused to pay the tax, people would have gotten the impression that he despised the temple and all that it stood for. And people may have been less inclined to listen to him. There's great stuff in here. And we haven't even gotten to the fish part yet. So let's take a look at that and then we'll be done. That'll be enough to chew on for one day. 
So most of us, I believe, are familiar with the miracle catch of fish in the Sea of Galilee by Peter and the disciples, right? You know, this is after Jesus is comes back from the from the tomb after Easter. <clears throat> and Peter and the disciples are out in the sea. They're 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 trying to catch fish, they're catching nothing. And they see Jesus on the shore and he says, Hey, cast your net on the other side and you'll catch a lot. And they do. How many? No. I'm not letting you go until you get the right answer. hundred and fifty three. A promise made, a promise kept. Same here with this one fish with Peter. Another miracle with a fish. What is it with fish in the New Testament anyway? You know, no wonder the first Christians used fish as their secret symbol code, you know, when they were under persecution. Fish just aren't about abundance and life. They're about promises made to you and me. And I believe that's why Matthew reports this. And it's a shame, really, that our church forefathers passed over this reading that could otherwise be heard with frequency and regularity. See, it's no coincidence that that fish that Peter brought up had just the right amount of tax in its mouth. It had enough tax for Peter and for Jesus. That is no coincidence. Jesus foretold it. He said that's what would happen. And he made it happen with his divine power. He can say the word and it happens. And it's in this way Jesus both and voluntarily pays the tax as if he were an everyday person, a stranger to the king, and yet at the same time shows his divine power that exempts him from that obligation. It's quite amazing really. Even more than that, Jesus the one who tells storms to stop, the one who feeds multitudes of people with mere pieces and crumbs, humbles himself to the requirements of the law. Now this begins to sound a little more familiar, doesn't it? Jesus, the same man and God, humbled himself to death on a cross for you and me to pay the penalty of our sins of pride, tax evasion. I hope none of you have not that failed to pay your tax, and everything else. A promise made by God to his friend and a promise kept. A display of his human and divine nature. Humbling himself to be one of us and to save us. It's all here, my friends, in just a few not heard very often verses. So, may you find newfound joy in his word in this new year. Amen.